Hello and welcome to Illy's Coffee Talks. Season 3 is going to be about all my favorite topics including slow living, inner work, entrepreneurship, creativity, spirituality, slow traveling and health. I am Ophélie Cabanero, your host. Enjoy the episode. Good morning, Susie. Good morning. Thank you for... Well, actually, I am in your cafe right now. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. Welcome to Re Cafe on Unverpackt in Nashville. <laughs> it's a... Uh, oh, you can dive into the concept right away. Oh, right. Straight, straight <laughs> to it. Okay. So, um, the cafe is... Um, in Auschwitz, which is a small village just outside of Basel. And uh, I moved to Auschwitz a little while ago, um, and this space was just offered to me by a neighbor to rent. Um, it was, has never been used as a commercial space. It's always been a barn. And for the last 30, 40, 50 years, I'm not actually sure how long, um, it's just been used as storage. Uh, so when I was offered the space, it was full of wood, And um, it's nice and close to the tram stop. And so when I saw it, I was like, yeah, I can clear all this out and, and make this space a cafe. So it's a really small cafe. It's the smallest cafe in Asheville. Um, it's, um, you know, it seats less than 10 people. It, um, I specifically left the cafe uh, space as it was when I emptied it out. And by that, I mean, I didn't repaint the walls I didn't replaster them the floor is a concrete um, kind of splotchy mess <laughs> um, it's not a it's not like pretty um, on kind of the surface the there's beams exposed there's bricks exposed um, the wall has plaster coming off on some parts and I specifically left it like this because um, I just really felt that it was a really special space And my philosophy um, in the cafe is about reusing and um, uh, kind of recycling what is already there. So when I saw this space, I wasn't interested in making it new. I didn't want to have this um, polished space. So that even the walls and the floor is you know there's a there's a reason that it's not tiled and pretty and it's because i don't see the need in spending money or um wasting resources on things when actually the floor is fine the walls are fine it is how it is and that mm -hmm. that definitely sets uh this cafe apart from other cafes mm -hmm. so that's the the physical space um uh, of the cafe is It's a really small, cozy place with uh, very rustic walls. <laughs> <laughs> and everything is uh, all the furniture you found either in Brookies or... Yeah. Um, on the road, yeah. So on the road, yeah. To, to go further into that um, idea of recycling, reusing, repurposing, um, I, I didn't want to spend um, money on things that... Um, would then add to landfill so I got a lot of things from Facebook marketplace sides of the road um, 
lots of things from the Brocky, lots of little things as well. Like I was at Brocky's for weeks and weeks, every single day, just picking up things here and there that, mm-hmm. that you maybe wouldn't even notice. Then uh, as well, things like the ladder that's on the ceiling um, as like a decorative piece, that was inside the barn space that I converted to the cafe. Um, there's tiles from um, old stoves. They were kind of left out to be recycled or thrown in the bin or mm-hmm. for gratis. And I said, oh, no, no, we need to keep those. And they're on my wall. And mm-hmm. the plan is to add more to the wall when I can find more. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, yeah, that's the kind of uh, concept is that everything is uh, secondhand reused, including the furniture. Even my coffee machine, I, I got secondhand. Um, all of that sort of thing is has been repurposed. I think the only new thing is my rug. Everything else is uh, <laughs> is secondhand. So yeah. yeah. And so to add to that, you also choose quality products. Yeah. So I um, am a really big fan of supporting small businesses and supporting um, Swiss businesses because they're local to me. Um, And so when I opened the cafe, my aim was to have things that I really, truly believed in, things that I could uh, tell people about and want to sell. So I sell like a very large range of things and eventually I do have an unverpacked part of the cafe that isn't yet opened and eventually that will be opened and that will continue through there. So I have a small range of things that I sell and then I have the things that I serve as a cafe. So the things I serve as a cafe are all um, Swiss-based businesses. My coffee is a Colombian coffee and the man that sells it to me grew up here in Auschwitz and his girlfriend is the niece of the farmer from Colombia. It's a really small farm. They pay their, their farmers very well. Um, it's about uh, good quality coffee beans it's not about mass producing them it's about looking after those people in Colombia that have to pick the beans and 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 get them ready and then Benning who provides them to me roasts them here in Switzerland so I really believe in a really good quality um, small farmed products like that Uh, and the the coffee is delicious so that helps (laughs) so that's really good yeah. yeah that's my coffee and then I also have a couple of products that I sell and they're people that I've met over the years through my own podcast, things like um, bagels, you can pick up bagels from here, you can also um, have a bagel in the cafe with cream cheese or roasted vegetables Um, and originally I had interviewed a lady named Vicky and she was making uh, authentic American style bagels Mm -hmm. here in Basel. Mm -hmm. She's no longer here. She went back to the U S but um, that was my idea that I would provide uh, something that is not very well known in Switzerland. That's not available everywhere, but also then helps that support that small business. Mm -hmm. So um, you can pick up Arbuckle's bagels from the cafe. You can order them and pick them up from here. And I have other bagels available if you want to eat them inside the cafe. And then um, my favourite item that I sell, I met this amazing lady um, who really inspired me and she started her own business and it's a salt business, uh, flavoured salt to add to your food and it's called Smiggle. 
And when I met Dina, I just just fell in love with her. She just was such an inspiration. I just thought she was amazing. Um, and what she did with her salts was try to sell them at markets in Zurich. And she found that people were saying, oh, like, how do I know what it tastes like? Or, you know, can I smell it? That sort of thing. So she started to make cookies, sprinkling them with a little bit of her salt mm-hmm. so that people could have a cookie, buy a cookie and have a, an experience of the salt. And that started to do really well. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of her cookies, so much so that I, when I opened the cafe, I said, can you provide me with the cookie dough? I'll bake them here in the cafe, uh, but they're your cookie dough. And then I sprinkle them with smiggle cookies, sorry, s- salt, and, uh, and serve them. And they're really popular. Mm-hmm. They're gluten-free, they're vegan, and they're delicious. And mm-hmm. actually, I don't tell everyone that they're gluten-free and they're, and um, vegan because they don't uh, necessarily taste like... Not like they're like, <laughs> they don't you know like they're not this um they're, they're so good that you wouldn't yeah. necessarily need to know That's that true. they were vegan yeah. um because they're delicious so yeah i'm so happy to have her stuff here because she's she's been a big inspiration to me yeah so you were saying just a little bit that you did podcast before i did <laughs> what was it called so the podcast i had was called swiss pats and i did it with a friend named don And Don and I met on the radio and we realized on air that we had a really good chemistry and we wanted to talk more on air and be on air together. Um, but that wasn't possible at the radio, so we decided to start a podcast. And it started out slow, just us discussing life in Switzerland. We were both expats. We were both fairly new to the country. Um, so we, we just discussed things about Switzerland and quirks that, had, you know, that we'd noticed. And then uh, we started inviting guests on and then it became a routine where we would um, have a chat and then we would have an interview with somebody. And this is how I met Dina, it's how I met Vicky with the bagels and it's how I met a lot of people that um, with the products that I have here. That's how I met a lot of these people. And uh, yeah, so that went for three years and it was quite successful. Uh, we had a really strong following. We had a, a um, kind of regular listeners and um that was really good and then don uh his wife got a job back in the u.s and so that happened right at at the pandemic right at the beginning so first they said okay we've got it we're moving back to the u.s it's going to take a few months and then the Mm -hmm. pandemic hit and they said right we're leaving next week so they were gone you know we i got the bad news that he was going And then <laughs> he was gone. And then a week later, he was gone, and wow. it was really, it was a really uh, tough time for me uh, because we had such a great um, friendship, and we still do. We still keep in contact. Um, and I tried to keep the podcast going. I I kind of changed it around a little bit. So when the pandemic hit, I did a couple of interviews with people all over the world about um, their situation and how they were dealing with uh, COVID mm-hmm. and COVID restrictions. We were talking really new uh, situation you know so it was quite interesting to get those different perspectives and then um, I realized I did not want to talk about COVID all the time and so I tried to continue with interviews and what I found was that Don did all of the things with podcasting that I hated (laughs) Uh, he did the editing uh, he did the kind of the uh, the content creation And I was just there for the interviews. 
<laughs> the best part. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I really didn't want to continue doing that, but uh, every time I would think, okay, that's it, I'm going to stop doing it, I would just randomly receive a message on Instagram or Facebook or uh, even text message or email saying, oh, you know, I love your podcast, it's great, or something like that. And I would think, oh, I should keep doing it, I should keep doing it. So um, I struggled for a little while, did my best doing the podcast, and then I kind of reinvented it into um, an Instagram thing. So I was still interviewing people, but instead of putting out a recording, Mm -hmm. I did a three-post kind of feature on someone or their business. So I did that a couple of times, and I had a list of 80 people that I was going to interview and I just kind of looked at this list one day and realized, like, I don't know if, uh, like, the interview part I loved, but I didn't want to do any of the other stuff. So I shelved it. Um, I kept the Instagram page. I, I kept it active. I didn't delete it. And I just decided to maybe do it again one day and um, and see what it happens. Well, that eventually led into where I am now, which yeah. is the cafe. So um, it was great that I didn't delete it yeah. <laughs> because then I wouldn't have any followers on Instagram. Um, but you yeah, upcycled it. I did. I upcycled <laughs> my Instagram page so that now it's uh, now it's for the cafe. Yeah. And so just before now this podcast, we had a, a group meeting, a circle of women who were sharing about the theme was structure. It was led by Christine. I don't know how to say her last name, and I can. You will be tagged, Christine. <laughs> and you were already talking about the cafe, and basically, what you were saying is the what you were doing on the podcast. You're doing the same thing with the cafe. You're yeah. promoting people mm-hmm. uh, that you believe have good products to sell, who are cool. Yeah. Yeah, that that is. Um, I didn't realize that that was kind of what I would be doing at the cafe. Um, I thought when I first thought about opening a cafe, you know, your instant thoughts are coffee and you know milk and coffee machine yeah. maybe uh, and seating. Um, but very quickly, I realized like all of that, all of those people that I met at during the podcasting times had led me to this point where I already had this base of I know I want to sell that I know I want to have that available I know that um, these high quality products is what I want to have in my cafe and so uh, you know an example is I met this lovely lady Kiri she was a a part of the um, Instagram part when I was doing the podcast on the Instagram side Um, and I interviewed her during the pandemic and um, she lives here in Asheville as well and she makes these really luxurious candles and like they're luxury from the box and the ribbon to the candle and the way it's made, the way it smells and everything about it is really, really luxurious and it's an expensive product. And even though um, I'm, you know, there's other things that you can buy here that are cheaper, I love having this little tiny corner of luxury because it supports this lady who is really inspiring Mm -hmm. um, and I really like her Mm -hmm. and I really love her story and when she told it to me 
during that podcast that we did together. She was very open and um, she really, she just was a really warm person and it was lovely. So when I thought about the cafe, I was like, of course I want to have her candles. Um, so that's something that you can buy here because I care about, she cares about her product mm-hmm. and I care that she cares. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Beautiful. that's, that's really one thing. And, um, if I am inspired by a person or their story or their product, then I am interested in, in having it here. Yeah. Unfortunately, my space is not big enough <laughs> to have everything I wish, um, because I have a lot of things that I would like to sell. I need to put more shelving in my cafe. Um, but when I do that, I'll have many more products. What is coming up? The What kind of products? Oh, right. Know? I see what you mean. Well, um, just there's just other things that uh, I will have available during Christmas. Um, the Quinbea is the coffee bean company. They sell a lot of chocolates. Oh, yeah. Again, um, really um, based on quality and... Um, um, fair trade and a lot of women-led uh, projects. So uh, also zero waste projects, which is really great. Um, and I have a, a book that's available that is um, the profit goes to Ukrainian um, families who will uh, come to Switzerland for uh, teenagers who will come here to experience um, a structured um, program that will give them a little bit of respite from from the current situation in the Ukraine. Um, and the women who make the books, uh, they get the profit, they, they get paid to make the books. So I have those available for Christmas. Um, plus some other things, mm-hmm. like just uh, anything I can find that I that speaks to me, yep. then then I, I will find a space for it. Nice. Yeah. And you, we didn't actually talk about it, but you're originally from Australia. I am. I am Australian. So... I moved here um, from England, mm-hmm. um, so I'm from Australia, but I was technically an expat in the UK first, mm-hmm. yeah. And when did you move to Switzerland? I've been in Switzerland for eight years now. Um, we came originally for two years, mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, it's a story, I mean, I heard it, when I interview people, and you must hear the same thing, it was a story I heard over and over again, oh, I came Usually mm-hmm. for my partner's job, mm-hmm. um, or my own job, or for love, mm-hmm. and I came for X amount of years, and I've been here for ten times that. <laughs> so it's the same for me. I came for my husband's work, and um, we came originally for a two-year period, and then very quickly, uh, within within a year, we had decided we wouldn't go back. Um, and my husband found a job within the company that he would then become a local contract mm-hmm. worker and uh yeah and then we have no plans to leave yeah you see yeah. yourself here we own a house here our children go to local school mm-hmm. i have a cafe nothing is set in stone permanently we are quite flexible mm-hmm. but you know one our kids are 13 and 11 so we're not in a rush to move them again yeah. they've been actually through a few schools in in switzerland because we've lived in Basel land, then Basel, then Basel land again, and private schools, um, then public school, then back my oldest is back to a, uh, an international school. So they've had a, a lot of um, movement. Yeah. And so for now, we think uh, it will be 
quite set for a little while. But like I said, nothing is set in stone. We're always we're flexible. But you don't miss Australia every single day. Uh, no, I haven't missed Australia for a really long time. I do like it when I go back there. Uh, we went back a few years ago to Perth, and um, I'm not from that area, and neither is my husband, and we really loved it. It was really, really nice. And um, then we went back recently this year for my brother's wedding, and again, we really liked it. Um, you know, it's it's a great country, but we're not in a rush to go back. We're not like, you know, there's extreme weather in Australia. Um, there's bushfires every year. The political situation, although is now a little bit better, for the last 20 years has been not great. Um, there's a lot of things about Australia that a lot of people don't don't see. Um, the Australian policy on immigration is very strict. A lot of Australians' outlook on um, asylum seekers is is um, not the same as my outlook, so it can be a, a tough country, in my opinion. Um, but most people just see the beaches and the mm -hmm. sunshine. Um, and I always remind people that if I lived back in Australia, I wouldn't be at the beach, I would have a job. So that's the reality of Australia. Yeah. Everyone has to work and... Um, so, yeah, you know, I miss my family. My entire family live there. Yeah. Um, my sister and I speak daily. Um, but um, I'm not, no, I'm not, like, desperate to get back there or anything like that. It's just, it's one of those things. I've been out of the UK since I was, um, sorry, out of Australia since I was 18. Mm -hmm. So, actually, as an adult, I've only ever lived in other countries. Mm -hmm. I've only ever paid bills in Europe I've only ever looked after myself here I've never had to look after myself there so why did you move originally again that was supposed to be a one year stint uh, do you want the real reason or <laughs> do you want the, um, the kind of the PG reason um, you can say both and yeah. then <laughs> I can't well I mean the PG version would be that I just was you know wanted to travel and see the world and see Europe uh, but the real reason was that uh, I had a few boyfriends <laughs> and none of them were uh, particularly nice um, I and I was immature and um, I decided that uh, if I left the country that 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 would be uh, a good way to to break up with them all. <laughs> Are you had a few more <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, I liked to, uh, to 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 go out and, and hang out with boys. So uh, not anymore. But so the plan <laughs> the plan was that I would go to England and I would have like a bit of a break. I would be single for a while and I would enjoy myself and just have fun as a as a you know a traveler um and of course I met my husband <laughs> in the first uh, two months yeah yeah so I met my husband um after when we were both traveling in Scotland and I met him there and um then I met back up with him in London and we moved in together and within 18 months we were married so uh, he's also Australian mm -hmm. um And, so funny. Yeah, so the plan to not be with a boy for a while <laughs> didn't really work, but I did successfully break up with my boyfriend in Australia. So there is that. By getting married. By getting married, yeah. 
I did get an email off one of them once that was like, hi, how are you? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, not having this. This is not happening. Good job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been there too. But yeah, yeah. But this is not my time now. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So he's also. So where in Australia did you say where you guys are from? So I'm from Sydney and Bruce is from Melbourne. Mm. Yeah. So we are from different parts. We did not know each other. A lot of Australians travel in the UK, and so it's not unusual to meet other Australians. Yeah. My brother actually met his Australian wife in London. And um, you know, because there's there's a lot of us. Well, certainly I don't know about the climate now, but certainly when you know in the early, this is early 2000s. Um, there was a lot of us in in London, and so it wasn't unusual that my brother met his future wife in in London, and and they they're happily back in Australia now. I think a lot of Australians, young Australians, go there for a year, yeah. working holiday visa. Yes, or something. exactly. Yeah, we get. I don't know what the rules are now, but at the time I got a two year working visa, yeah. and you can go, you can work. It's difficult to get. It was difficult to get like quality work unless yeah. you're, uh, you know, I was 18, so I had no qualifications. So I worked in a pub. I worked in a couple of museums. Um, uh, what else did I do? And I, I ended up getting work through a temp agency. And yeah, I mean, you do it. You just do what you got to do. Yeah, of course. Now I look back and I think, okay, I definitely wasn't paid right <laughs> at the pub. Definitely, there was some illegal stuff going on with those pub owners. But you know, when you're 18, you just do yeah. it because you, because that's what what Australians do, I guess. So. But I also did it in Australia. When oh I was yeah, living there, I was also a waitress at some point. Did you do the fruit picking? No, <laughs> too lazy for that. Yeah, I always recommend not doing the fruit picking because oh, yeah? it seems like such hard work, and I don't yeah. think that they pay very well. Yeah. So, I was a student in. On the Gold Coast, and yes. yeah, it was yeah. great. I was on the at the beach. Yeah, all you the were. Time. I was at the beach every day. Yeah. <laughs> the, the studies were surfing studies, so I was. I well, had that makes to sense then. <laughs> go in the water. Oh my gosh! No, that sounds yeah. awful to me. Yeah, I, I, for I, you. Yeah, I'm not a. Even though I'm an Australian, I'm not a big beach person. Mm. Um, uh, but that's just me. I'm just. I can sit at the beach, but I don't want to go in the water. As long as I have an umbrella and it's not too windy, then I'm fine. But the conditions have to be right. And you, but so this, you don't mind the winter here, or do you, what? What don't mm. you like about? Don't you like the sun, or when it's really warm? When it's too warm? In Australia, when it's too hot, it's. I mean, when I was growing up, it didn't bother me. That was fine. It really didn't bother me because it's normal. It's yeah. just like that's just life, um, but when I go back and it's hot, I, it's unbearable. I just think it's it's just awful. But I don't mind the winters here. Switzerland has has nice seasons, mm -hmm. and this actually came up in our conversation that we were having with Christine. Mm -hmm. um, the seasons here are like a real special part of Switzerland, mm -hmm. and they are very distinct. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that is quite nice yeah. and you don't really have that in Australia yeah. there's kind of extremes yeah. or parts of Australia like so you would go to a certain part of Australia for the snow it's not 
you you don't in the winter you can't be like oh it's the winter in Sydney it's going to snow that doesn't really happen or didn't when I was growing up anyway um, or Melbourne yeah exactly so uh, here it's it's more of a distinct season pattern which I quite enjoy I love the autumn here mm-hmm. it's so beautiful it's nice. um, although this summer was very hot yeah. and I'm not a fan <laughs> I've decided I'm not a fan of it being super super hot um, the country is insulated for winter and not so much suitable for, for the summer. Yeah. None of the windows have fly screens. You open the window, every bug in the world comes <laughs> in and it's the worst. Yeah. So you have to decide, do I have the window yeah. open and get eaten alive or do I close the window and like Die. sweat to death? <laughs> so, and, yeah. you know, a lot of the houses... I don't think air condition. There's rules about air conditioning in this country, um, and I live in a really old building, built in the seventeen seventeen hundred sometime, and um, I'm not allowed to put aircon in my house. So that's just it's not an option. Yeah. So we have fans all over the house, and I mean, so it's, you know, summer when it's really hot, it can be a bit too much for me. Yeah, but I love Switzerland. But do you go swim in the rain? Oh yeah, I love yeah. the Rhine. Yeah, that's what that's what helps a bit. Yeah, definitely. the The Rhine is is like is the highlight of, yeah. of summer in Basel. Totally. Yeah, I would probably have moved if there would not be this river in the middle yeah. of the city. Yeah, it's so true. Like, what would what respite would we have? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else did I want to ask you? Yeah. Because you said uh, two things, but you were saying you were a cop. You used to be a cop. I did. I was a police <laughs> officer in the UK. Yeah. So my husband and I, we lived just north of London, um, in in a, a county just north of London, and uh, I was a police officer there. So um, I did that for a couple of years. Um, when my husband got the job to come here. I just decided that it really wasn't for me. Um, I really... I did two kinds of policing in my time. I did community policing and I did, um, like, what you would expect when you hear police officer, like a beat cop, like driving around, arresting people, uh, walking, dealing with crime, that sort of thing. So the community officer job was more on kind of on the ground. I would speak to a lot of young people, I would speak to a lot of elderly people, I would deal with a lot of um, very low level crime things like neighbours fighting with each other, mm-hmm. parking issues mm-hmm. um, kids shoplifting um, some adults shoplifting <laughs> um, just things like that, so really low level crime nothing serious, not you know. of course I would sometimes come across serious things but then the uh, other police officers mm-hmm. would take over Um, so that community-based role I really loved and then when I transferred to the like main policing role I very realized very quickly realized that um, I really liked helping people Mm -hmm. and I really liked talking to people Mm -hmm. and when you're a a police officer that is very hard to do Um, when we as normal citizens are interacting with a police officer it's usually the worst day of our life like we don't you like if you're dealing with a police officer in a in a serious situation it's because something bad has mm-hmm. happened 
And um, when people are dealing with the worst day of their life or a really bad day in their in in their life, it's um, they're not fun. That it's not a fun situation. Yeah, you're not you're not having a, a conversation. Yeah. Um, you're just trying to get to to the to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. So I very quickly realized that actually community policing was for me, um, not this other kind of policing, which is standard policing. Mm-hmm. So my husband was offered a job in Switzerland and I decided, yeah, no, let's, let's give it a go. I can, I can come back to it if I want to, um, which I do not want to. So even if I moved back to the UK, even if I went back to Australia, I wouldn't rejoin the police. It's not for me. Um, I did like it when I was doing it, but it's, um, uh, it's not a role that I'm um, desperate to get back into. My aim was always, my, my ambition was always to become a detective. Mm. Uh, that was the goal when I joined the police anyway, which again is about solving crimes and mm. dealing with um, serious incidents. Nowadays in the UK, you can actually become a detective without becoming a police officer. Mm. So, you know, that would always be an option if we did go back to the UK. I don't have to do that walking around arresting people yeah. I don't have to do that job anymore so yeah that that part of my life is um, was enjoyable while I did it but I'm not um, I don't I don't wish I still had it or yeah. or think about what could have been I just I'm happy with that I gave it a go and yeah and then quit <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the fact that you tried different things like mm. that and and had no problem moving on and I was sharing with you that sometimes I feel guilty that I don't want to do something anymore and want to do the next thing mm. like don't want to work on surf events anymore because it's a it's a special world do you want to share something about that <laughs> Can you ask the question the again? fact that you move on or is it easy for you to move on Yeah. To the next project. It's interesting. I would say it is and isn't. The amount of time it took me to stop doing the podcast actually was quite a long time. Mm-hmm. I really went back and forth. I'd make a decision like, that's it, I'm done. I'm yeah. not doing it anymore. And then I would receive this random text message or an email. And it would, it would make that guilt feel mm. quite... I would feel that guilt quite strongly mm-hmm. and think, oh, you know, someone might benefit from it. And because I care very much about helping people, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't, I didn't want to quit. Um, and so I felt this, like, guilt to continue. And um, it was the same with the policing as well mm-hmm. um, and, and probably other things in mm-hmm. my life. So on the one hand, no, it's not easy for me to move on from things. Mm-hmm. But on the other, I have kind of grown a lot, um, especially since moving to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And I think I know myself more. Like, I think of the cafe and I see that eventually there will be an end. It's a very hard uh, type of work to go into. There's not a lot of money in it. There may, might be another pandemic. Like, that would obviously kill a cafe. <laughs> and, and, like, so I, I am more open to things like passing and and then being uh, a part of my journey as opposed to like the end goal but when I look back on how long it took me to like quit the podcast and and that sort of thing 
yeah, it, it, it wasn't so easy. So, of course, there would be tears shed if I closed the cafe, but at the moment, it's not, it, you know, I don't think about those situations. I just see it as a situation where I'm dealing with now. And I do see it as a journey, mm-hmm. like, uh, like where will this lead? The podcasting led to the cafe because mm-hmm. of all of the inspirational people that I met mm-hmm. and all of those people that made me realize that I could do it as well. Um, and who knows what this will then lead to. So I'm always open mm-hmm. uh, to new things. I'm always open to uh, new experiences and I'm not um, stuck. I'm not, yeah, I try not to be stuck, and I am actually a bit of a flitter. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I kind of always have itchy feet. So I know for a fact that I will do something, whether it's a reinvention of myself yeah. or a reinvention of what I do for a living. You know, it's I'm never fully formed. <laughs> <laughs> But you, you are always have that red thread going mm. through your projects or your work yeah and that's only something that I realized um when I opened the cafe that um the things that I've done in the past have led to where I am now before I would never have realized that the things that I'm doing at the time have um are leading me somewhere I just thought it was the thing I was doing at the time so the podcast has led me to where I am now Um, meeting all those people, being inspired by all those people, seeing and feeling and touching people's projects and um, passions and um, seeing what they're making mm-hmm. and creating. All of that has led to where I am now. And so there is that thread that goes through. But I wasn't aware of it until, really until recently. I never would have been able to verbalize that there was a journey. Mm-hmm. Um And probably would have maybe snickered at that kind of thought that there was a a clear path. Yeah. Because that's not how I live my life and oh, you know, I do these because I make these decisions, yeah. but actually all the decisions I've made have led me to this point. Most people know this. For me it's like, oh no, everything I do is not connected. But yeah, it, it actually yeah. a lot of the time is. There's yeah. lots of parts of my life that are not connected. Um, but uh, really the the path that I've uh, I've kind of created for myself now I wasn't aware that it was it was the path yeah yeah thanks for sharing so honestly you're welcome it's a big part of my life about authenticity yeah when people meet me they get a lot of me uh I don't it's actually it's one of these things that is not necessarily a positive thing I could meet someone for the first time and tell them a lot about myself. <laughs> and sometimes I reflect on that and think, that person did not need to know that about you. Yeah. Like, you gave them too much information. And it might be something about my house or my kids or my husband or my cafe. Um, and sometimes I kind of reflect and go, yeah, that was too much information. <laughs> But the truth is, is that I've realized is that, that I do give, like, when if, if you come and you meet me, You will, you will get to know me. What I tell you is is an authentic mm-hmm. version of myself, yeah. um, and that really is reflected in the things that I have here at the cafe. I love it when people are authentic. I like it when people are real to their passions and their dreams and and their um, creativity. And it's taken me a long time to learn that not everyone does that. 
uh, not everyone gives everything of themselves um, and you can even have friends that you think you know and then you find out that they've never been authentic mm-hmm. with you mm-hmm. um, and that is quite hurtful mm-hmm. um, uh, but it's a it's a process and um, so I try not to give too much of myself <laughs> to my customers but at the same time there is a chance if you were to come here you would hear all about mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. random mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think um Or what came up when you said that maybe people are not true to themselves so they cannot be true with mm. you. Yeah, I think so too. I think so as well. If you meet me and you get one of those days, I apologize in advance. <laughs> But um, most of the time I, I have it in, you know, But you in know, check. I, <laughs> I think it's uh, a quality that a ca- cafe owner needs to have actually because... Mm. Yeah, I think people need to feel welcomed when they arrive somewhere and you need to want to see people. For example, I I always tell my husband, I have another another friend who opened a cafe and I see there are constantly people coming. Yeah, it's a cafe, it's the... It's what it's the purpose, right? Yeah. And it would drive me crazy because I would want my peace and quiet. And so I know... I'm not gonna open a cafe, for right. example. So I think it's a quality yeah. a cafe owner needs to have. Definitely, <laughs> always up for a combo. So, yeah. and my last question would be: What do you like to do in your free time for fun? Okay, so this is where you're gonna get some of the real me. <laughs> um, I love being lazy. I love. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love doing nothing. Um, I love it when my kids are at school, my husband's at work, and I don't have to be here at the cafe, and I do nothing. I just watch TV, or I scroll on my phone, and I actually feel great. Like, I I really enjoy that. And I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing to do nothing. I think a lot of... um, It's taken me a long time to realize that me doing nothing is actually a benefit Mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. And the people around you yeah exactly um because we we put so much emphasis on like that we must do be doing things Productive. like the laundry needs to be done yeah, and yeah. the house needs to be clean and um the dog needs to be walked and all of this stuff and of course that stuff still does need to be done but it's also okay to to not do those things um except maybe walking the dog that <laughs> um so i really like that And that is really what I do in my in my free time. Um, when I come home from the cafe, everyone already knows my routine is is that I jump into bed, and you know, especially if it's been a busy day, so I haven't been on my phone, I haven't um, talked to my sister, or I haven't done anything. Um, then I will do those things, and of course, people, will, my husband, my kids will come and talk to me. I'll cuddle with my dog, um, but like that's where I'll be because it is my happy place. And uh, yeah, that's that is like the main thing that I do in in my free time. There's obviously there's lots of other things. I I have lots of friends that are in the local area. I have some friends that are a little further away um, that I love to hang out with. I have lunch with my husband. There's theater. There's improv. I do do some theater and some improv. Um, I did direct a, a, a short play uh, about a year ago. Um, that was a lot of fun. I liked being the director. Um, would you do it again? I would like to direct again. I always thought I wanted to act, 
I really, I really thought that I wanted to act, mm-hmm. but I think I would definitely do do directing again. Okay. Yeah, I would definitely do that. I enjoyed that part, um, and I thought I was not bad at it, uh, considering I'm a complete amateur. So, um, I mean, I was probably terrible. <laughs> Ask the actors that I directed, see what they say. Uh, but I really enjoyed that, so I would definitely do that. And not acting. I think I'm too nervous. I don't think I'd be Yeah, I think I'd be too nervous to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if I can direct, then mm. I can. I can. If they do a bad job up there, then <laughs> it's you not know, your fault. <laughs> I can maybe kind of hide it. No, uh, the play that I did, the the directing that I did last year. They did an amazing job. They were the actresses that um, they had two two very very good actresses. Um, that was that was really really fun to do, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed that um, very much. And then I did improv a couple of times. Um, again, I don't know if that is for me. Improv it takes a lot of ability to let your guard down, like. Um, like the worry of being silly or looking mm-hmm. silly mm-hmm. or saying something yeah. not funny. Yeah. Um, if you have the ability to, to not worry about that, then you'll be good at improv. I don't think I was quite there yet where I was had that ability to just let myself go and say what I was yeah. thinking, even though in my mind I'm thinking, okay, that would be funny if you said this. There was always a part of me mm-hmm. that was like, no, don't mm-hmm. say it. No one will mm-hmm. laugh or no one will think it's funny. So that... That and was too much present you have for to me. Be fast also, and otherwise yeah. it's gone, and someone else. Someone something. else has done it. Yeah. So I was not able, and then sometimes I'd be completely blank, and mm. so for me that wasn't quite, unfortunately, as fun. Mm. So no, mm. I did it. I tried it. Yeah. So chilling on the couch, but actually chilling on the couch. What I wanted to say is, I know a lot of people, myself included, although. It's getting better. Who feel guilty also for chilling? Yeah. yeah so. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's a whole. It's a whole thing. It's a whole, probably a generational thing where we're told like, get off our butts, get out of the house, do something, get a job, you know, all of these things. And um, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of learning, self learning to, mm. to teach yourself not to mm. be guilty when you um, do nothing. Yeah. Also, maybe because like what I do now with the podcast, what you did also with the podcast. Maybe with the cafe, it's easier to, okay, I close it, I go home. But with the podcast, you could always be editing a podcast or yeah. doing something on your computer from home. Yeah. So the line between chilling and working yeah, yeah. is maybe not there anymore. Yeah, so exactly. Thank you, Susie. You are welcome. So everybody come to Alshville. Yes, the cafe is called Re, R-E, Cafe Un Unverpackt. You can find me on Instagram under R-E, Cafe Un Unverpackt. And um, that is the main place I post. And yeah, please come if you want an Aussie flat white or a chai latte or yeah. a, a proper British cup of tea yeah. with, you know, real British tea bags and served exactly how you like it, <laughs> um, whatever that may be, and Auschwitz ice cream and bagels and art on the wall from, mm-hmm. from local and uh, Swiss-based artists. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of things. Yeah. Thank you, Susie. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening.